Today, we're going to recap and review Annie, a 1982 musical based on the 1977 Broadway musical of the same name. It was nominated for two Academy Awards and three Golden Globes. And the cast included Carol Burnett, Albert Finney, Bernadette Peters, Anne Ranking, Tim Curry, Joffrey Holder, and Eileen Quinn. You know, uh, this movie is really held as iconic, even though it wasn't actually profitable for the film houses. It was one of the highest grossing films of that year, bringing in $57.1 million, but it also had one of the biggest budgets at $40 million. So no, it wasn't a box office hit, but between that cast and the award nominations and the continued lore around it, it is truly considered a, a classic by many. But today we will determine whether it is a classic from the right perspective. We'll do a recap, discuss the movie, and then we'll take a vote using a voting symbol picked especially for this discussion. But we've got to start with intros. Kick us off, bro. Hi, I'm Aubrey Wright. I'm the oldest. I'm Janiah Wright. I'm the middle. Hello, I'm Brittany Wright. I am the youngest, and I have the VHS. <laughs> we saw it. You didn't even have to. All right. We saw the cover. We need to see it. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad. And for those of you who um, don't know my my youngest sister, Brittany, I'll let you know that Brittany kind of skipped. She's like a boomer millennial somehow. It's 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 a very strange amalgamation of a skipped generation, but it also has a little peppers of that generation as well. So her actual generation spans like three generations and i think she's the only one in that category it sounds about right a, a boom jazennial <laughs> you're yeah. welcome because he, simultaneously i can't stand the young people and i also want to be a part of them i don't know what's going on <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. and i and i have a stamp in my wallet right now because i may need to send a letter to the government <laughs> all right we're going to get this thing back on track. We were doing uh, And I have apps on my phone because I ordered my groceries today from Target. Okay, Janelle, can you You're please such a keep conundrum. I'm You're very, such a conundrum. I'm very can, hip. And she didn't have a PayPal until last year. All right, so can we, but let's go ahead. They're and, very and, dangerous. <laughs> People steal your identity, okay? <laughs> on the dark web. God. Oh, please get us back on track tonight. Okay, okay, all right. What's next? What's next? <laughs> you know what, you all? It is time to pick our voting symbol. Okay, every every episode uh -oh. we pick a voting symbol <laughs> that we will use to, to that we will use to vote on the pod to to vote on the content that's being discussed. And um, once we pick that voting symbol, uh, each of us will have an opportunity at the end of the episode to determine um, whether this movie from their individual perspective, uh, you know, is a classic, but it must be unanimous. All three of us must agree that it's a classic for it to be a classic from the right perspective. So we pick a unique voting symbol for each episode. And um, for Annie, I am very optimistic about the 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 symbol that I want to propose oh, because Lord. I believe I believe that this is exactly the symbol that you all are thinking of all right because sometimes the the content hands us a symbol that is so clear 
that we just and I think you're still even with all this intro you're still gonna mess it up <laughs> I, I just but go ahead I'm ready I'm ready and it is Annie's red wig no. now no I'm just, I'm just kidding perfect it's the locket it's the locket y'all it's got to be the locket I'm recommending the locket listen I it has to be it has to be a red dress God, it's be. not a locket. It was a literal broken heart that was replaced with a whole heart when she was a part now of, of her family unit. Your okay. analysis is not incorrect. As a matter of fact, I agree with your analysis. But what I'm saying is, is when you see a picture of a locket, you do not think Annie. But if somebody showed you that little symbol with a red dress, you know exactly what they're talking about the red dress the red dresses even um went through all the races of the eddies and all that kind of stuff because the, the red dress is iconic and it's attached to it's attached to eddie it got like i wanted to think of some other ones but i'm like and i know it was kind of on the nose but i just i, I can't it's one of those i can't see how it's not a red dress Brittany, do you like think it. of any good ones on the on the spot? Bottles of gin. Okay, Janelle, back to you. Yeah, so, yeah. But so, no, so, seriously, it was the afro. That was the literal first thing that came to my head. Was just afro? her face. Her, her, her little you know, She was almost saying thing that you were talking Oh, her curly about. hair. Yeah, her curly hair. But that is a symbol, too. It's also iconic little curly it is. hair. When I said it earlier, I was joking. But I do like it because, um, you know, her clothes changed. Her clothes changed, but who she was remained the same, you know? And that right. curly think, hair think, was I'm... with her from the very beginning to okay. the end because it's a part of who she is, okay. you know? And the song, they even had a song that said, who cares what you're wearing, you know? Um, you know what? I'm sold on the hair. Because, you know, this is one of those rare moments where it actually... The symbol meets all three of our criteria. I like the symbol. It's something I could see. I could have thought of during the movie. Brittany thought of it right up on the spot. So it meets her criteria. That's and, because I don't need time. And Janiah was able Welcome. to overanalyze it. So it beats all of all. <laughs> so is that what we're doing? The red hair. I think it's red hair, y'all. Oh, I, right. I really like that. It's red, like curly red, red hair. The red hair. Let's go. Curly oh, red gosh. Hair. I love that. All, All right. right. So let's go. Well, let's get into our recap. And if you're new to our podcast, listen, we do a spoiler-filled recap at the top because our content is generally quite old, okay? <laughs> and people haven't seen it in a while and need a refresher or they haven't seen it at all and they still want to enjoy the podcast. And so we do a recap so that you can follow along and, and really enjoy our discussion that will follow. So let's recap Annie, the 1982 version. The movie takes place during the Great Depression in New York in 1933 and centers around a 10-year-old orphan named Annie. She is street smart and mischievous and a bit of a leader among the girls in her orphanage. She's also tough. You know, there's a scene where she intimidates a group of boys that are bigger than her to rescue a dog named Sandy that would ultimately become her pet. You know, she's also a survivor. You know, she really knows how to talk her way out of situations and really think on her feet, you know? 
And the orphanage where Annie lives is actually in very bad shape. And it's run by Miss Hannigan, a mean alcoholic <laughs> that basically just throws herself at any man in sight. She, mean forces the girls to, she, she forces the girls to clean day and night. I don't know what's in those pails. It ain't soap because the walls are not getting clean. <laughs> um, but she forces the girls to clean day and night. And she, she'll lock them in the closets. She steals money from the orphanage. She's horrible. She's the worst. One day, Grace Farrell, the head secretary to well-known billionaire Oliver Warbucks, comes to pick an orphan to spend the week at his mansion as a part of a PR campaign. And Grace picks Annie. Uh, Sandy, of course, the dog, gets to go along too. Sandy the dog. While at the ginormous, beautiful mansion, Annie experiences a level of luxury that was beyond her wildest imagination. Wonderful food, clothes, a house full of servants to tend to her needs, tennis lessons, an indoor swimming pool. But more importantly, Annie experiences kindness at the mansion. The staff adore her and dote on her and Grace Farrell, Mr. Warbuck's secretary, is completely in love with Annie and actually asks Mr. Warbucks to adopt her. At first, he balks at the idea. It had taken him a minute to adjust to having Annie around. He was used to spending his time focused on his three favorite things, money, power, and capitalism. Those are his words. His contemporaries are people like Rockefeller, DuPont, Vanderbilt, Carnegie. And in fact, countries are calling him up asking for loans. Okay. <laughs> He's so rich that people are trying to kill him all the time. All right. The Bolsheviks. He has, he has two bodyguards <laughs> that are with him 24 hours a day. He's so rich. He can just take his helicopter to the White House to, to go hang out with the president whenever he wants. Okay. It's an autocopter. For Thank life. you. Autocopter. A, a vehicle of his own making. <laughs> Eventually, between Annie's charming ways and his relentless secretary grace, he does spend some quality time with Annie, and he falls in love with her too. He does adopt Annie, and he tells her the big news, only for Annie to say that she doesn't want to be adopted because she believes her real parents are still out there somewhere looking for her. Of course, Mr. Warbucks is heartbroken, okay? He thought he and Annie and Grace would be a family. Yes, eventually Grace and Mr. Warbucks do fall in love, okay, with a little, a little nudge from Annie, okay? But instead of dwelling in that heartbreak, Mr. Warbucks launches a nationwide search to find Annie's parents, offering $50,000 to entice them to come forward. Now, I looked it up, y'all. $50,000 in 1993, 1933, 1933 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $1,111,958 in oh. 2022. Wow. So okay. it, was like, it was like basically saying a million dollars. It was a million dollars. Okay, I got you. Okay. okay. That's Man. funny. That brings it even. Doesn't more. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good. Because they were lining up 
Uh, yeah, they were. Yes. You yes. heard the people go, Annie, it's your mother. <laughs> they were in the crowd. I was cracking up. <laughs> Hundreds of people came forward pretending to be Annie's parents. But only one couple out of the almost 900 that came forward had the evil Miss Hannigan feeding them information. Okay. It was Miss Hannigan's con artist brother, Rooster, and his girl- girlfriend, Lily. It turns out that Annie's real parents had died in a fire years prior. Using the information Ms. Hannigan gave them, they successfully tricked Mr. Warbucks and his team into believing that they were Annie's parents. And mm. they left with Annie and Sandy and the $50,000 check. The one they- time we needed the Maury Povich show. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> they picked up Ms. Hannigan along the way and they were heading to, New- to Atlantic City to cash in. Okay. <laughs> Little did they know that some of the orphans heard them discussing their plot and had broken out of the orphanage and made their way to the Warbucks mansion to, to try to save Annie. Now, the little orphans, they didn't arrive in time to stop the kidnapping kidnapping but fortunately mr warbucks believed them and used his power and money to launch a ginormous search in the car annie had of course realized what was happening as soon as miss hannigan got in the car you know and she had used her street smarts to make them pull over saying she had to go to the bathroom and as you all know when you gotta go you gotta gotta go. go As soon as they pulled over, she grabbed that check and ran away. And while they were trying to cash her, she ripped up the check, which infuriated Rooster. And you all have to think about this. She had a million dollar check in her hand. Yeah. And she just ripped it up, ripped it up, threw it onto the wet ground. He chased her up a bridge, trying to kill her. When one of Mr. Warbucks's bodyguards in the helicopter, wait, it's not a hell, what is it, bro? It's an autocopter. autocopter. When when <laughs> one of Mr. Warbox's bodyguards in the autocopter saves Annie just in time. After the dust settles, Mr. Warbox does adopt Annie and he throws a huge celebration in her honor with fireworks and a random elephant and all of her friends from the orphanage. And he, Annie, Grace, and Sandy, the dog, live happily ever after. The end. Excellent. Great job, as always. Thank you, bro. Yeah. So y'all. Um, good. I was just gonna say this is definitely a movie from our childhoods, right? Uh, Brittany, yeah, that VHS tape you have is probably from our childhood hope. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Because all we watched this a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. What were you about to say, bro? I'm just gonna say that. My sister Janaya is very amazing at the structure of this podcast and the editing. And one of the things she makes sure is that we unfold our ideas slowly. I'm not going to do that today. Because I'm just not. There's no way I could talk about anything without clearly saying I still love this movie. Because it was Bro. almost. <laughs> I have told him time yes. and time again. 
and have been very good. We and we'll have continue to build to, to the vote. Right. You, vote. Look, look. you think we don't get it, your vote, even when you don't say what you just said. But every person that watches this podcast knows when you're excited about a movie. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. hey, listen. I'm you talking about the yourself, well, I'm talking about the time. Don't give him permission to not lean into the structure that we have all agreed upon. <laughs> but he's <laughs> never been in the structure. He's literally been outside on the corner catching the bus. He's See, never been that's, in the structure. That's not true. You said <laughs> never, never. But regardless, we're, we're gonna have to have a debrief. Even if, even if I uh, expose, I'm a very expressive person. And I might express myself sometimes. I still don't break the technical uh, uh, structure. That's true. I still don't say it. That's true. And that's the point. That's true. And what I'm saying is, uh, I'm thinking about to drop him. I'm picking it up. If if you are listening, just know I'm giving Brittany a really, really mean look. But I'm not. I'm not picking up that look though. All I feel is love. I love you too. Listen, okay. All I'm saying is, <laughs> is when this movie starts, it's good from the start. Like, because everybody's talented. And like from the beginning, when she's singing, it's like, you could tell, like I, I did a little tri- a little trivia. I'm not going to steal Janelle's thunder on that. Share but, your trivia, bro. There was so much trivia but, available, I'm sure. But what I'm saying is, is that she was the end result Um What's her name? The, the girl played Annie. Eileen Quinn. Yeah, Eileen Quinn. Uh, she was the end result of two years and hundreds, Bro, thousands, eight, thousands, thousands of auditions. And what I'm saying is, from the beginning, you could tell why. Two years, twenty-two cities, eight thousand interviews. And you could tell why. And you could tell why she mm-hmm. made it. Right for I mean, there's no doubt, and it's just like, I think it's probably the only movie she ever did. But like, she's like a veteran from from the you know from the start, and like, I would have liked to know her as a as, you know as a little girl because she was so. It must have been really amazing to see somebody that mm, with it yeah. that young. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but like right from the opening set, you know, when she's singing about her parents. It's like, yo, this is a good movie. I'm not going to, to respond to your comment Maybe without giving away, but my strict, vote might be at the end. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree, bro. You know, Eileen, Eileen <laughs> Quinn. But you, she's made me a closet of clothes. Listen, I, it. <laughs> so from the very first, second you're getting this is a complicated child yes they 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 did a wonderful job of like in the very opening scene giving us three or four components of her personality and and we were able to watch this young actress hold all of that complexity we watched her be in longing and in sadness just hoping and dreaming that maybe her parents are out there somewhere thinking of her going to come back to reclaim her two beats later she is um you know fighting off a bully in the orphanage to protect a young one a beat after that she's nurturing the young one okay and then we see her playing mother hen to the whole group shooing them to bed to try to protect them from the mean lady that runs the orphanage that's right 
And so her opening lines, uh, just, I agree with you said with what you're saying, bro. I mean, they gave her a lot of complexity to hold and that low Eileen Quinn, she held that complexity that day. Okay. I mean, all of those actresses, those little girls had a ton of talent. Sis, you were talking about that earlier. You were just talking about like the, the talent. Yeah, what what, what the scene was it the on? Young, the girls. Yeah. What scene were you on when you texted that, Rick? Where you were just like, I... They are so talented. Do you remember what scene you were on? You know what? I think it was the first ensemble scene. Yeah, I was were, thinking so. Know, I was thinking that. Like Hard Knock they, Life? Hard Knock Life. When they were doing it, I was like... It's crazy. have a room. And then not just with their singing, their dancing, and their acrobatics. Acrobatics. And like, it, took, it took five days. It took them five days to shoot that scene. It's a Hard Knock Life. It was so It looks good. like it. Yeah, because it from headstands, backstand, back, back bends, they are doing everything. So but but it's so effortless. Yes. It's so effortless. It's so effort. Like, and when they were, when they're flipping on those beds, those metal beds, I'm like, this isn't is this a childhood <laughs> hazard or something? I don't know. But it was just like, it almost looked like they were like, you need me to flip on that bed? All right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what, all day for five days? Over and over? Sure thing. On it. I Listening to their voices, their voices were so rich. They were so talented. Right. Like, you get, like, listening to them, I'm like, okay, clearly you were, like, two years old. Right. And your parents, your parents heard you say, like, a little note. Yeah. Exactly. And it was like, Pat oh, dance. voice lessons. Exactly. The two young ladies outside of Annie... That definitely, like, because the three of us always joke about them all the time. The when they're trying to name Sandy, uh, they're naming the dog, and the one she's like, Roma. What did you think at Roma? I mean, her voice was doing the lessons that she was. She was one of the finalists for Annie. That makes sense. There were there was a top nine, and there then there was a top seven. And she was in the top seven. That, that, okay, that, now that makes that makes it because all the sense. Because I'm gonna let you know, Brent. I, like I wanted to, and I took some notes because yeah. I do not want to forget to talk. Yeah, about I'm that. gonna get her name. And like, and I'm gonna tell you because tonight, do you have any trivia on this cast? You on know, the girls. You're not on the girls. Okay, Except that there are some celebrities that we know now that auditioned. Okay. Somewhere. Okay. Okay. But, but, but what I'm saying is whoever she was, was like, I got this one line. Oh yeah. I'm going to let you know. Yeah. You ain't never going to forget forget this line. Ever. I said for that to belt out in such perfect note. I said, how she are was these so, children? She, she was, was so good. What did you think? Oh <laughs> The one that was a little taller as well, and she yes. had the longer brown hair. Yeah. And when they were doing the reprise of um Bet You There, yeah. Yeah. she the she had a note. I think you I think hers was um maybe now there's prayer. Yes. Okay, Britt, you gotta hit that too though. You gotta hit that too though, Britt. All right. <laughs> Oh. Uh, they didn't want me. They didn't want me. Um, they didn't want me. <laughs> but yes, Brishita. Let, let me read out a couple note. of names of these uh these orphans. Okay. I'm not sure which one. I'm trying to see which one actually said 
the um, rover. But the one okay. that said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Her. Her name was Laura Burke. Okay. That is so funny. Roseanne Sorrentino played Pepper. Okay. Tony uh, and Jasandi played Molly. That I was, was the little girl. Molly. She Robin, was so cute. Robin Ignico Robin played Duffy. Lucy Stewart played July. Okay. And I'm going to, as we're talking, I'm going to see who sang that little rover line because. Yeah, I tried to look it up, but you were. You were I had it. I had it in a lot. You were you way better she, than that. She did so well, but that was my first, like, y'all know I, if you, as those of you watch our podcast, you know, I will text Aubrey and Janaya through the whole thing. Uh, we, we will text, Aubrey send us a text every now and then, but Janaya and I- I, 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 I gave up trying to keep up with y'all long time. <laughs> it's so much. But like, I will text through a whole movie sometimes. Yes, and, so, and I love it. <laughs> but for this one, like, that was my main text message. Like, I was like, these young ladies are just so, so and, and not just her, even when in speaking of singing, I knew Bernadette Peters could sing, mm-hmm. but I did not know until I heard her singing Easy Street. And I was like, maybe just as an adult and having had some opportunity to be trained a little bit in singing, when I heard her voice, I was just like, Bernadette Peters, you're so good. Amazing. So good. That's and that, that. Amanda there's... Peterson. Amanda Peterson was in Amanda the top Peterson. seven Listen, for her audition Amanda. for Annie. And she is the one that said, Rover. Why Amanda Peterson, I don't know if you will you ever sing that song, podcast, Amanda Peterson. But let me let you know, you sang that line. Yes, you, you did. Forever, forever. In my memory, and you have helped, you have brought a lot of joy to a lot of families. Yes, you with can. That mm-hmm. with, that, with that one line. And, and you know, talk, I mean, talking about the casting, there was just no weak points. Everybody was tight. Even if they had a small part, everybody gave it Everybody. Mr. Bundle. And, Mr. Bundle. Yes, the cop. <laughs> These people you only saw one time for three to four minutes, they, they held their characters so well. They were so interesting. And you all, I was uh, right in, when we were in the green room, meaning chit-chatting before we pressed record. <laughs> yes. Um, I was talking about Carol Barnett because y'all, you know, I don't think that I in my the life have been given Carol Burnett the shine that she deserves. Mm. It's like, I know that she is like an iconic genius of a performer and comedian, but seeing her in this character and then thinking about her on like shows like Mama's Family, I just had a moment of like, this is a such a talented She's performer. So and I had to look it up, y'all. The Carol Burnett show, it ran for 11 seasons. And nowadays, 11 seasons wouldn't be, you know, but so many episodes, okay? For her, 11 seasons amounted to 279 episodes. And I bet every last one of them were hilarious. You know they were. I mean, she just, just, that character, and, you know, we're talking about the 80s. So they were allowed to do a lot of stuff that I know. And, I, and I'm glad that movie got recorded when it did. Excuse me, because they did a lot of stuff that you could do. Because I'm, let me tell you, she was drinking, okay? I'm talking oh, about, there was boy, liquor taking gin in her back everywhere. And, but she was <laughs> so funny. Like, I'm like, how do I know 
every word of this movie, but I'm still laughing. Yes. But it's just her timing. Like, like when she, um, when she, <laughs> the two that still get me to this day, and I remember getting us, getting it as, as kids. And we're going to be skipping back and forth through this movie, y'all. It's just what's going to happen. But there's a point where the youngest orphan stomps on her toe, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, first of all, when she came- Molly, Molly stomped on her toe. Molly stomped on her toe. And when Miss Hannigan came in, first of all, it was because they were singing. And they were singing, again, all the numbers are great. But on this one, it's, you know, you're never fully dressed without a smile. That's why they're, they're in, in the room singing because they heard it on the radio. They actually heard it during a radio show where they were looking for Annie's parents with, 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 with Mr. Warbucks. And so it was it was at night and Miss Hannigan comes in and she's like, did I hear happiness? In here? <laughs> <laughs> because and she said that I hear singing because right. they were singing early but like when she came it wasn't about the singing it was just like happiness like do I and you know and it was and, like one of the and because again knowing the movie so well and as you said Arby it's like I, I probably could just turn off the sound that's and right. just that's like right. talk through exactly most of it happening. I definitely know all the songs um I but this was the first time and I think it was because I was taking notes that I really thought about the fact that she was forcing these little girls to say, we love you, Miss Hannigan, <laughs> over and over again. And she was teaching them to say, I love you after she was abusive to them. So she would be mean to them and then wait for them to say, I love you, Miss Hannigan. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she is not only like being physically abusive, she is emotionally abusive. These young ladies are going to live in the implications of this experience. Like, is this what is this what they're being taught that love is? Like, this but you know what was you know what was interesting is that first of all, I, I just want to say at the end of that, when Molly stomped on her toe, that was another <laughs> one. Because when she was like, every time, they never miss. <laughs> and like, I'm just saying. It just shot me back 35 years. Just, mm -hmm. But it was interesting because she was abusive, but also the um, relationship between them was very interesting because they allude to her being physically abusive, but they never showed her do anything. And the other thing is, is they were scared of her, Except but not that really. Except drag and put them in the closet. Well, yes. I mean, she would. What, she she point, yanked them around a bit. I think that is abusive. She yanked. Yeah, we saw it. And, yeah, she, and, she, she, and she, she talked about the paddle closet. But also what I'm saying is, is that, but there also were times where they were singing and where they were doing things and nothing happened to them. Yes. So it was a... um. Not taking away from her wrongness. I'm just saying, watching this as an adult, it seemed like the relationship was a little more complex than I've ever thought. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because she was obviously never able to have kids. And so you see her desire that she wanted to have kids playing out in this angst towards the kids. 
but at the same time, it's like she abuses them, but then it doesn't go too far. It's, it's like this weird wow. thing. And then, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Like I was just gonna say because at the end, and I'm not saying this should have redeemed her to the point that no, it did sure. in, in the movie, but at the end, it was just this realization that he's gonna really kill her, you know, and like. And what I'm saying is, is I think Miss Hannah game goes far, but in her mind, something actually happening doesn't occur to her. And if, yeah, and if I mean, does, she's an alcoholic. She's drunk. Right. She's drunk the entire movie. The and so it, you, 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 you know, from and soup to nuts, from drunk. soup to nuts. And, <laughs> and there's, there's a level of, of, um, you, this is the great depression. Yes. You know that Carol Burnett's character, you know that Miss Hannigan has had, um, you start to make some assumptions about her origin story, especially as you learn that her brother had been incarcerated, right? you know, and has been a con man, Stole you know, money off her. and we're watching her throw herself at men. So you're already looking at her like, yeah, she's been through something, you know, and it doesn't matter why it's happening, even if it's because she's stealing money. It is one woman, and it looked like what 150 girls. How many girls were in that house? It's a lot. It was like 100 or something. 125. It was a lot of girls and one woman. And she had this song, "Little Girls, Little Girls." Everywhere I go, I see them. That's right. They're everywhere in this house. They literally. She would open a the closet. There'd be a group of them in there. <laughs> so at the same time that you were like, "You're horrible," you were also like, "Oh." Poor Miss Hannigan. But these children were tormenting her right back. Because that's the, and that was the thing. That's what I'm saying. There was like this two-way. Because I mean, my goodness, they put a dead rat. That they did. <laughs> that yes, they was did. hilarious. It was like Miss Hannigan. And, and that was going to be my point, sis. We often talk about that could be a whole movie in itself. Mm -hmm. The origin story of Miss Hannigan. We'll watch it, Brie. Absolutely. I will watch it. I Because it's like... You don't become this type of person without there being some sort of story behind it. That's our um, idea. That's our idea. If you make it, it, you got to give us money. That's our idea. Out, out, it out, her right. stole money out of her purse. Out of her purse. I mean, like her fake sister and her law were her girl, her brother's boyfriend was also stealing things, jewelry. Like she was just, she was picking things up and putting them in her bosom. It was just Burn like- it at Peter's. Burn, she's another one. These awful people. So She's another one. But the, oh. the part that, that Aubrey was talking about was the, what she said as well. She was like, Rooster, she's just a baby. Because mm -hmm. she knew her brother's capabilities. Mm -hmm. She knew what was about to happen mm -hmm. if he caught on to her. And I think that, you know how sometimes when people are just not super awesome, they have a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was that was her wake-up call. Wake call. Like, yep. they're, they're, they're babies, they're kids, and it's like, girl, but how you been treating them? Okay. So, I mean, I just think that, and then even to the, she was so mad that when he finally did slide down from uh, being up there, she knocked went his tail right out. She yeah. she, and <laughs> she you know went what? after him and knocked him out. I said, I know that's why Miss Hannigan now for still the money too. And, and look, <laughs> and, for, and, and you talking about this moment of her clarity, because as an adult, I'm like, because at the end of the movie, she's riding on the elephant, like with, with her drink, she's still drunk. <laughs> she's but, <there. laughs> she's but, now a friend of the family. 
She's a friend but, of the family. But the thing is, she did save Annie's life. She like she actually because slowing Rooster down a little bit gave Punjab the few more seconds he needed. Yeah. She would have he would have killed her. Well, you know was- what? The and the other thing is, you know, there was so when um Daddy Warbucks goes to the orphanage to adopt Annie, he reveals that he has had a background check done on Miss Hannigan. That's right. And yeah. he just lists out all of the things about her that she does that are illegal and inappropriate and how poor a job she's doing. And all he used that information to do is to get her to sign the papers for Annie. He doesn't do anything to try to help the rest of those little girls. You know, he doesn't do anything to stop Miss Hannigan, you know? And so anyway, when, when she was riding around at the party at the end, my first thought was, you know, for she, they, she, she could be in this in the sequel, but she should be uh, in, uh, locked up right now. <laughs> but then I thought about it a little bit more and I was like, you know what? We are also letting all of them off the hook for a lot because you have to remember Daddy Warbucks, his character is not that virtuous. You know, he mm-hmm. left those other girls sitting there in that orphanage under the care of this woman that he was saying was awful, had, had, had the receipt. Yeah. Yeah. And he was making money off of war. His name is literally War, war Bus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, none of them mm, are I didn't off the that together. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Don't you remember when he was on the phone talking about there was a country wanting to borrow money from him? Listen, for their- those moments when they were having conversations on the phone, all that was going away in his house. <laughs> I could not follow anything that was happening. I was like, I'm pretty. But that, sure but that, that was the, the but point, though. Chaos. That was chaos. that was the point. I I think they wrote it like that. So you mm-hmm. know, you you're supposed to feel like you don't. What is happening right now? Too much. The, the same way, and that was the interesting thing about the movie because they had these the acting. They had these moments that were very funny, very, and they like I think about when Annie was fighting the boys over Sandy mm-hmm. and like she had this moment where she put her fist up at the end to scare him. and it was so corny <laughs> it was so but cute. here's the thing she was so confident that it worked and it was like all of the super like even if it was corny they were just so sold out to it that it still worked and then they had the serious moments like when you had the conversation between Annie and Daddy Warbucks about her real parents. That was some good acting, man. Like they, Absolutely. They had a, like she was really searching and like you could see the conflict, but also her principle is I was going to find my parents, you know, like, and it just so gave depth to both of these characters. You know, you mm-hmm. see her, her uh, principles and you see him like, he didn't try to convince her. He didn't try to, you know, talk down to her. He's just like, he understood. as much as it hurts, I love you so much. Let's go find your parents. Say one of my favorite scenes I was looking forward to was the movie scene. When they went to Rockefeller Center to go watch the movies. Let's go to the movies. And I was no. just like, okay, back in the day, everything was more of an experience yeah it was more grand like 
you would go to the plane and you would put on your Sunday's best if you were going to the airport. Now it's like, I'm sorry, ma'am. Did you wash up today? Okay. <laughs> and so, because the rest of us have to sit beside you. Okay. And so, the and just to see, I was like, man, was it really like that going to the movies? Like, I know, what, of course, there was a musical, but just in terms of people being, you know, people being looking nice and all in uniform and, you know, having to show you to your seat and, you know, I was just like, this is so grand. I was like, I just love this. I am so happy. I'm so happy you brought up that scene. But I want to let you know, I was having a completely different experience oh, in when I was watching that scene. I was not sitting this, there like, oh, was the grand so you yeah. know? This podcast was, was so good. Let me tell y'all, like, well, the first thing is, when I first moved to New York, as I was just oh, checking all of the touristy things off my list. Well, the Rockettes are still here. Yeah, right. they're yeah. still here. But here's what you need to know: they still doing that same choreography. They still kicking up that same leg. I mean, how much can bending you bending over to the left? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we, we, yeah, I I mean, mean but but it was just it was imprinted on my brain that they were awesome because of Annie and I get there and it was like women dancing in sequence in the line and I'm listen I can't kick my leg up like that so I'm not hating but I am just saying they still doing that same dance but the other the other thing that I had um the experience that I had and they and they just only recently started getting black people in the Rockettes just so y'all know I mean it's just it's not been that long ago that's the other thing about the rockets. They still ain't this quite is, figured all that out. Very this well. is a fun podcast, isn't it? Can, can we can, can we Bye. can we, we have said goodbye fun? G- goodbye fun because I'm now about to bring up some real. Oh, I hope you've God. enjoyed the fun phase. Bring it in racism. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about that scene is it is just a bunch of very pretty white ladies. White ladies, white ladies, white ladies singing to you, dancing to you. And they're just so pretty and special and precious. And, you know, I- um, It's 1933, sis. All I'm saying is maybe the movie is placed in 1933, but the children that were watching it were alive in the 80s. That's what I'm saying. And those are the people that are walking around right now. And so when we are talking about, um, you know, what- people find beautiful and what people find precious we have to just own um when people say things like representation matters what they're really saying is the way that the brain works is that these experiences become imprinted into your the psychology of your life and if what you're seeing on the screen all the time is pretty white lady, pretty white lady, pretty white lady dancing at me, just in a beautiful cloud. It's like, gosh, even on, on a subconscious level, that is what will be beautiful to you. And if you, if that's what you see on the screen and then you're a little black boy and you look around your house and you just see regular people, not rockets, you know, it's like, I can gosh. Tell you that, that had no impact on me. Just a, just a case study. Well, bro, what I'm talking about is subconscious imprint and, and, and bro, it it is actually has been, it has been objectively proven at this point that we all have preferences toward white women, black women too. We all have it because we have been socialized to believe that they are the most beautiful. Bro, it's not one of those things that you can debate. It is a, it is, it is the truth of the experience of growing up in America that 
the what you what your experience it the world um the research i'm thinking of though is about american psychology and i was watching that scene and i was just like yeah if this is everything you see on television and everything you look at in magazines and every time you see a poster on the wall is that yeah you're going to start to internalize that and so, Britt, as you were sitting there like, oh, look how grand things were. I was like, see, <laughs> this is the problem. It was too much joy. So you wanted to bring that down a bit. I get it. It was, it, it was, <laughs> Janiah was like, do I hear happiness? In, in here? I had to remove my brain, that part of my brain, right? I had to like shut it off that conscious part that's like, what the? So I could enjoy the movie because I, when I was looking it up, I did not realize that the movie came out in 1982. I honestly thought the movie had came out in like early 70s, 60s. Like I thought the movie was much older than that. So when I realized it came out in 82, I was just like, oh no, this cast was not diverse at all (laughs) i was like there were three people of color in this movie and the third person y'all probably missed her because she was in the background in the neighborhood when they were out and about trying to get sandy she walked past in the market and i was like oh i see you that was aunt (laughs) that was aunt renee and so i was like uh aunt riri where you going i just i it really kind of like I was like, wow. But then also I had to be very clear as Aubrey was stating, it's 1933. If you were going to make a movie about certain things, you were only going to see certain people in certain neighborhoods. And that's just, it is what it is. I had to dispense that part because I, my, it was trying to creep up in there and I said, Mm-mm, we're going to watch this movie as we did when we were a little kid and we weren't aware. Well, you know, the whole, one of the things we always talk about, though, is whether a movie holds up. Does it hold up? Because there's something like I think about, um, you know, like certain Whitney Houston songs. There's mm-hmm. songs that Whitney Houston sang that will just be good forever. OK, even though the context of the world changed, I still want to dance with somebody. OK, I mean, Listen. some of these songs are just good. And, and I then, will always love you, bro and sis. And then you hear songs <laughs> that are using maybe like slang of the moment, you know, or referencing, I don't know, something that's trendy right now, a, you know, a current pop culture phenomenon or something. And you just know that those songs may be good to the people who were there when it came out, but it might not appeal later. So there is something to be said for like um, doing the reality check of, of watching it with a lens of today, right now, you know? Cause I don't think that that takes away from the joy that the movie gave us in our childhoods, you know? Because you don't know what you don't know. That's the thing. It's like, they say ignorance is bliss. If you truly don't understand the complexity of what happens with, you know, with implicit bias in your subconscious, then, it doesn't matter what content you take in, but once you know better, you have to do a better job of, of, of um, analyzing the moment 
and managing what you take in in your life. You know, so I think I, I think this is one of those classic situations where two things are true. It was so good and it's also problematic. So I love the fact that uh, Warbucks, he talked through many of his songs. <laughs> I thought that that was hilarious, especially his song with Carol Burnett. It was so good. Um, their interaction, he was getting her to um, sign the papers, but also oh, that song, that song was written in two days for the movie because oh, it wow. actually, they, they requested that song. Carol Burnett and Al- Albert Finney together requested a song to flush out that moment of their meeting oh. for the paperwork. Oh, so it was one of the songs that wasn't in the, uh, wasn't wasn't in the musical. In the musical. Mm-hmm. It was really good. They, yeah. Which by the way, listen, whoever wrote the music for Annie, I hope they want something because it was really good. And it is still, it was still holding up. Um, music by Ralph Burns. I don't think we talked about it, but the, we got Annie. That whole song and dance, Miss, who the secretary? Grace Farrell. Grace, Grace Farrell. Listen, honey, I I hope she's still alive to see this. I don't know. Listen, amazing. Her dancing in this movie, her singing, her acting. I was like, I don't know if she's gotten any awards or anything like that. I don't do the research, but she was was phenomenal. She, she was, was so she good. Was excellent. She was excellent. And I, I, and she's another character that is amazing, but also she's a little problematic. There was um, this scene where, um, you know, Daddy Warbucks and Grace, they are starting to own their feelings for each other because Annie had been kind of nudging them along to let them know that they actually had romantic feelings, even though neither of them was acknowledging it, you know? And so Mr. Wilberks is looking at her as a woman for the first time and really assessing her. And he says, your teeth are crooked. And she says, I'll fix them. And he says, I like them crooked. She says, I'll keep them. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things that is like, gosh, oh, it is like a sis. sweet little moment. No, it's like a moment of like, oh, I, I just want you, sir. And I get that. But it's also one of those things that is um absolutely like the way we've kind of been socialized. Like it's like women do whatever it takes um to be chosen by a man. Well, let me tell you this. Let me tell you right now, let a billionaire tell me when you need to fix your teeth. And I'm going to say, well, how did you put it on the card so I can go get it done? <laughs> <laughs> you, on I, it. Don't, I don't have an issue. Imagine <laughs> that, doing something to get the man you're attracted to. Imagine that. That, that is. Yeah, those, were, those, those were some terrible days. I know. And it's like, imagine someone appreciating you for who you are. Ah, bananas. But also, I've been looking in the mirror myself, and I'm like, oh, I could, these teeth could use a little love. Like, <laughs> you want to pay for it, and I'm we, I'm about to live in this mansion that's as big as a city, and we're about to go on an autocopter to Paris to go eat chicken. Like, I'm, oh, I'm going to get my teeth fixed. It was all- it, but also, if him saying that, we got to bring up the fact that she was able to manipulate him. Because when he was like, what? Send her back, orphans of boys. She was like, but she's already here. <laughs> she's saying all the things that she yeah, knows. Gonna gonna she's going to be upstairs. 
care. I'll take care of her. You have to do And so it's just, it was funny, like to, to think about him saying your teeth are crooked. It's like, it's fine because, brother, I've probably manipulated you out of a billion dollars by now. And you don't even know. So, y'all, um, we were just celebrating Carol Burnett, right? In the role of Miss Hannigan. Guess who got offered that job first? Ed Midler. Oh, this movie would have been very different. It would have been different. And I got to tell it you, between, and I love me some Bette Midler. Don't nobody say nothing about my Bette I Midler. I mean, don't you say. But I got to say, big Carol business Burnett, up in here. Carol Burnett was the right choice. Carol Burnett. Yeah, I couldn't see Bette Midler. But Bette Miller turned it down. Yeah. She yeah. declined it. Wow. But it would have been different, you know? And also, Rooster, played by Tim Curry. I think he That's was he was a great choice. He right. was actually a very well-known Shakespearean actor. And then he kind of converted mm-hmm. into movies. He had done Rocky Horror Picture Show. Picture, is that what Rocky Horror Picture? Rocky Horror. Yeah. That. And um, but that part had been initially offered to Steve Martin. Oh. Can y'all imagine if it had been Steve Martin and Bette Midler? It would have well, been very yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that Steve Martin. And Beth Miller, neither one of them were grimy enough to play those roles. They're, totally. they're, you know, they were very, and it would have been probably funny in a different way, but yeah. not in that, in the way that it was. Mm-mm. No way. It would no have way. been a little more, yeah. I Carol, Carol Burnett, just that part, even when she was singing and she was drunk and she was trying to use, find the little note, she was like, little, little. I'm like, who, who else is doing this this no way? way. No one, no one. And you know, Sean Connery was up for um, the role that Albert Finney played. That's how he was the first choice. And one place I read said that he turned it down because he didn't want to shave his head. <laughs> but he was the first choice. So it's like there could have been like a Sean Connery, Bette Midler. Like it would have been very different. I'm it so happy. And I didn't, I still want to, bro, did you ever watch the version? Because when I was looking it up, I didn't realize that there had been another Annie that Disney did. And I haven't watched any subsequent versions. Okay. Okay. Because I was like, I've never seen that one. Now I did see the more recent reason one. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> we got Annie. Um, <laughs> Poonjab, who I, so the part though that I did go, okay, you guys, whenever the asp was dancing and they made the music sound like traditional. So at the ASP was the uh, chauffeur and bodyguard. For, he was a martial art, martial arts expert from Japan. And Punjab yes. is Warbucks's Indian bodyguard. Uh, Punjab was played by Jeffrey Holder and the ASP was played by Roger Minami. We had some super fun text messages about these two characters because <laughs> in particular, it's like, um, you know, the we, P- Punjab's character is actually magical. He can yeah. heal pain. He can make things. Man, nobody ever talks about it in the movie. He's just magical. And so he's literally, he's literally a magical Negro. That trope of the magical, literally. I mean, it was just like, really? He's magical? 
And then they had, um, and to Britney's point, they would change the music whenever the two of them were dancing. When the the uh, Japanese man or the black man, whenever they were dancing, they changed the music. And, and I was like, like oh, to be like no. a little like tropish music. Which also, I was like, they can't find an Indian man to play Punjab. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I'm happy you were in Jeffrey because you're amazing. But I was just like, oh, okay, well, you know. Um, so I did. I thought that that was. I just kind of made me chuckle. Yeah, I love, I love Punjab and And to speak to speak of the the cast of the maids and the everyone in there, I don't want to miss Drake who Drake was uh, the one that was washing the dog. That part was so small, but <laughs> Drake, Drake's character, he was just so like, like we are going to give this, this is the character that gives that's, stuff like, you got to wash the dog. Like, that's, a great, that's a great number two. We're, I think we're going to like it here. I think yeah. you're going to like it here. So or I think good. I'm going to like it. Oh, yeah. so yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a great, that so good. good. Oh that man. Good. So good. I, I enjoyed all the numbers though. You know. They did an amazing job. Yeah. Every last this, number was on. Do you, could you all like, do you have a favorite a number from this? I will say from my perspective, the music served that, that key purpose of moving the story along. There is not one song in this entire thing, uh, entire uh, song list that, that didn't add some value. You know, the only one that if I was just going to make a little case for it, like, eh, what are you doing in there? It was Dumb Dog. But um, that wasn't in the, in the uh, play either. It wasn't in the play. <laughs> and what I realized, though, is that what it did was it allowed us to show um, how uh, she was struggling to make connections how she immediately wanted to distance herself from the dog and not have emotion about the dog because of her issues of abandonment, you know? And so she, she defaults to dumb dog instead of allowing herself to love and, and appreciate the dog. She doesn't want to get attached. And mm. so it did serve a purpose. I literally loved every number and that's unusual. But also, I loved how they integrated it. I thought was unique to this musical because, like, the musical numbers, and I'm fine with this. We talked about it, but like, you know, how normally, especially if you're watching the original ones, you know, from the early times, like at the end of the number, it's like, you know, it'll fade off and then right. go to the the next scene. But in this they would sing and then the scene would continue. Yeah. It might be about to end, but since there's a few more words said afterwards, it, it gives it a very natural, very natural feel to move from song to, um, and even when like, they're not acting like they're not singing. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when Miss Anna game was like, Am well, I, I hear singing, hear singing in here? here? Yeah. And it's like the, um, and, you know, when you're kids, you do stuff like that. You know, yes, you'll be you singing, you'll be putting on shows. And that's why it's like that is what they would be doing. So just let it, like, they're not acting like they're, or, or when the title song, uh, well, not the title song, but um, tomorrow. The most famous. Uh, yeah, tomorrow when when they're, you know, she's she's saying, like, you know, I, I sing the song when I'm sad. 
And so she starts singing it because she's singing the song. She's, but it's like part of the movie, but it's actually what she's doing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then even when they're in it, you know, uh, uh, FDR is like, sing, you know, sing it, you know, even the Republicans, you know what I mean? And <laughs> I like, I like how they did that, how they integrated the singing, like it's actually happening rather than, you know, most musicals, it's kind of like, they don't act like they're singing, but they're singing, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah. So, so I thought that was really good. Yeah. Listen, yeah. my jam was Easy Tree. So that one That's was the only one that, if we're, if we're pulling out nitpicking, <laughs> That one felt a little long to me. Okay. But, but well, if, we, I have, if we were nitpicking. I have a little, yeah, little, little yeah. couple of factoids about that one. Yeah. So they actually, the original version of that scene, and you can find like grainy bits of it out online. The original version of that scene had the three villains dancing in the street on singing the Easy Street song. It was, it, it was grander. It had, uh, I think it was something Carol Burnett was saying it was like 200 extras or something. It was wow. a whole huge street production. And they had wrapped filming with that scene being done. And then I saw a little interview with, with um, some of the film uh, creators and they were saying, we felt like we had to redo that scene to make it more intimate because um, we felt like everything else we had done was pretty darn near perfect. And we just th- thought that that scene was way too grand for what was actually happening, which was bad guys conspiring. Right. And they were like, we, um, so we brought them back, you know? And so two months after filming had wrapped, the three of wow. them came back oh, that's to do that scene. And here's another little factoid about that. I saw an interview with Carol Burnett and she had had her chin done in that two month period. And so she tells this story where she's like, um, you know, I said to the director, hmm, if you're just going to change the dance number, it's like I'm going to walk into the closet with one chin and walk out <laughs> of the closet with another chin because she got her overbite corrected and her chin like extended out a little bit. And so she was like, I, I had no chin when I went in the closet. I'm going to have a chin when I come out. <laughs> and she said, I received the best directing advice I've ever been given. He said, just come out with a determined look on your face. <laughs> he was like, we not doing makeup. Well, yeah, just, I we ain't doing no prosthetics. <laughs> so, um, I never noticed. Yeah. Never. Mine, mine is hard knock life. That, that's, that would be my favorite. Yeah. That would definitely be my favorite. Now I think about it, that would be mine. Yeah. Yeah. Hard knock life is definitely... Mm. That's an amazing I, and I'm number. saying so that because I'm like, there are all of them are my favorite. The ones that I was we expecting. What about Annie, y'all? What about we got Annie? But uh, that, yeah. that, that hard knock life number, though, like all those little girls, yeah, yeah. Hard knock mean, flipping around the acrobats. Yeah. Like I was just like, this is amazing. And the vocal talent, yeah, so so good. We talked about the characters and acting. We talked about the music. We talked about the story. Um, we talked about all of it, y'all. Are, are, are mm-hmm. we ready to vote? We even talked yep. about we how the current day lens on it. Well, it's obviously YouTube voting because I already gave my vote, but yes. If you would it. honor the structure, even just oh no, I'm gonna <laughs> for a few minutes. No, I'm, I'm and, gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yes, it is. It, it, <laughs> I, I love 
everything about this movie. I fully enjoyed it 100% from the start to the finish. And it's a pretty long musical. But I, I loved all the acting, all the music, all the characters. It was it was just a lot of fun to me. So, and it will always be. So I, I it definitely gets my red hair, my red, red wig, <laughs> which her hair was a wig. It was a wig. And she actually, she had to dye her real brown hair because it kept mm-hmm. showing through the wig. Yep. So wow. she dyed her real brown hair it's red. a great wig because I never knew. Wow. It's a good wig. It's a good wig. Okay. So that answers my question then. I had wondered what came first. Was that her hair? And then so Annie became iconic because she had that hair or was that hair from the actual play? Yeah, probably. So, yeah. Well, so I'm guessing it was hair from the actual play. I actually know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. So Excellent. there was a comic strip called Little Orphan it, Annie. Uh, okay. okay. And the um, the musical, was in, the stage musical was inspired by the comic strip. and then the movie was inspired by the musical and the little the common the comic strip had the curly hair okay excellent yeah y'all um i i will um i will give this movie my red wig as well and it's because i would watch it again it's because, and this is not, this is something, I don't think I've said this about many of our movies. I would just listen to the soundtrack. And in fact, I'm going to, you know, when I do my, my get, get my 10,000 steps tomorrow, I'm going <laughs> to put, put on this soundtrack, y'all, because these songs are good and these singers are talented. And this, this movie is fun. It is fun. And, um, I will say when you see a child actor that can bring it, like Eileen Quinn brought it, it just lets me forgive brought, everything brought, else that might not have been so, great. She brought it so that it was brought. Oh, and let it let everybody know she had brought it that day. Okay. And don't nobody need to bring nothing else because she right. brought everything we need. You know. <laughs> so between her and Carol Burnett, I actually was asking myself, like, if I had like kids in my life, would I show them this movie? And the answer is yes, because I think it is fun. I think it's engaging. I also think it tells a lot of really wonderful moral stories. And I think we owe it to children today to help them to be able to dissect content so that they can be more intelligent than we were when we were taken in content. I would like for children to be able to have a critical lens to say, I can enjoy something and also intellectually understand that there are some pieces of this that are not okay, you yeah. know? So for those reasons, yes, I would give this movie my red wig. Awesome. I definitely give this movie my red wig uh, because I enjoyed it while I was watching it. I felt the nostalgia. I feel like it is timeless. Um, I feel like the the actors and actresses, they're all amazing and still amazing. Um, And I just, I enjoyed it for what it was. And just, you know, even though I was able to look at something and go, "Mm, okay, that's a problem. I was still able to have a good time as I was watching it. 
Um, and I just, it makes me chuckle to myself a bit because I was just sitting here thinking about like, hmm, what is it like right now with Daddy Warbucks, Annie, and the secretary? I don't know why can I remember her name in this movie. Grace, Grace Farrell. Grace, thank you, Grace. Well, I had, Grace. This, I had this whole sequel thought up where Daddy Warbucks got murdered by one of his previous clients. So all, so Annie and all of the orphans become a crew of assassins. And they all learn how to be really great fighters based on their dancing ability. And then they go out in the world to avenge the death of Daddy Warbucks. Annie too. Yes. I take back every disparaging word I've ever said about my brother. The man's a genius. And that's that's a whole new meaning to the musical called Andy Get Your Gun. All right. Um, there it is. And so imagine, I, I, can, you oh, man, can you imagine a redheaded ninja? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can. Well, my sequel was a little different. It was just really getting a chance to see them living in this mansion and like talking. Uh, Warbucks out of his money or or just into situations all the time because Annie was good at it too she was like well even if I've only been here for a few hours that's all I'll ever need this was so great <laughs> it's like Annie Annie you're so good at this too so that, this- and that's 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 real life because like the thing about men with little girls it's like he knew what she was doing. They, and it didn't matter. They, they, they didn't matter. It, 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 it just, they didn't matter. Faces, they would it, be it like, just, she's really, just really trying it. And <laughs> I don't care. And it works. Yeah, yes. totally. Like, I mean, yeah. And that, that's oh, how it is. Yeah. It's, just, it's so, like, so to it's watch. It's so hard looking at a little, like, looking down at a little girl and trying to say no. Especially when she's talking like that. I'm just, I think that it would be so funny to just see there be every turn. Yes, yeah. him just like every time that he's like, no, that, we're yeah. not doing this. And it's yeah. like the next scene is they're doing it. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, my, mean, I think mine would be a little more exciting. Yeah. And I think that that would be it because that would be I what I wrote was the beginning of the movie <laughs> that you're talking about. I was because we want to see them all happy and stuff. And everyone's like, oh, my goodness, this is so happy. And then it's like the Bolsheviks come back and Brittany. he's dead. And, and bro, Brittany, bro, I love it. I love bro, it. Do they have do they have a, um, a, a specific phrase that they say before they take out the bad guys? Like, sorry, buddy. It's a hard knock life. <laughs> you, or you're you're well, not going to the sun's not coming that. out for you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> they, can they can reference all the songs. That's right. Yeah, totally. That's right. Yeah, and then That's when the right. bad guys first come into the trap, they're like, uh, you're not gonna like it here. <laughs> Bam! Yeah. Gotcha again. Yeah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so yes yes Annie gets my red curly afro wig thing well y'all there you have it uh, Annie the 1982 version is a classic from the right perspective another fun discussion bro and sis thank you so much everybody for tuning in love y'all bye I love y'all too bye